This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome back to Round the Cauldron, where we talk theology, philosophy, and everyday life as a modern witch. If you like the show, please leave a review wherever you listen to help other witches find me. Don't forget, you can help support the show at patreon.com slash roundthecauldron for as little as a dollar a month and get patron-exclusive content. If you're ready to hop into the show, grab some coffee, pull up a seat, and join me round the cauldron. Today, I wanted to talk about the dangers of false or misleading claims, especially with the nature of the world right now and everything that we're going through. Um, as small communities, as towns, but also on a global scale. Now, most of this episode will probably focus on random false claims, random misinformation, but it will tie back into witchcraft, paganism, Wicca, and the more spiritual side of things. So first, I want to really explain why I wanted to visit this topic. I know in the past I've talked about the importance of critical thinking and citing your sources and doing good research. And with the current pandemic that we're in as a global community, there is a lot of misinformation out there. And this misinformation is being spread either purposefully um, by someone who may have an agenda behind whatever it is that they're spreading, or it's being spread um, by not, I don't want to say by accident because the people that are spreading it are spreading it on purpose, but the misinformation is spread either on purpose or through negligence. Because in my opinion, if you are spreading a claim that you cannot back up or verify, then you are spreading information in a negligent manner. That is part of the problem. So, The main idea of this came about because of the pandemic, but I will tie it into Wicca and paganism and uh, witchcraft more towards the end of the episode. But I want to go and give examples and ideas of different types of misinformation and really how it spreads. And it will all tie back in together, I promise. Just stick with me for this and we will get through it together. So one of the main culprits of the spread of misinformation is social media. I don't know how many times I have seen through my own personal Facebook page the complete spread of misinformation regarding this current pandemic and uh, politics and all kinds of different stuff. Now, I'm going to focus on the pandemic and the health issues because That is currently what's on the top of everybody's mind, and it may help someone who is listening to this or watching this to really understand how they can dig deeper and do their own research and check the proper sources. So that's what I'm going to be focusing on mainly, but this can be applied to everything. Literally everything can 
be benefited by this process. Okay, so I have a bunch of notes. I've got some examples. As always, all links will be in the description and in the show notes, and we can tackle this and move through it together and really see what the problems are. Now, as always, I have to give my disclaimer. I'm not a professional. I am not a professor. I'm not a doctor. I am just an everyday witch who has been to college for something else and who really enjoys the idea of academic study and academic research. So fair warning, that's that. Not a professional. Go to the sources in the description and in the show notes if you want to double check what I'm saying. The first thing that I want to talk about in regards to people spreading false information and misinformation and false claims is when it is done so with an agenda. When it is done so, this agenda could be political, it could be personal, anything that is done with an ulterior motive. The first one that comes to my mind is a post that I actually saw on my own Facebook feed, uh, my personal Facebook feed. For those watching on YouTube, I will put a picture of it up here on your screen. Podcast listeners, I am quoting what it said. It says, Italy has decided not to treat their elderly for this virus. That, my friends, is socialized healthcare. Now, if you're not from the United States and you have socialized healthcare, this might not make sense to you. Honestly, it doesn't make sense to me, and I live in the United States. A lot of Americans really look down on the idea of socialized healthcare, healthcare for all citizens, and it being either free or affordable. For some godforsaken reason, most of America thinks that if you can't afford health insurance, you deserve to die. I disagree with that. However, that's <laughs> that's not the whole point of this. The whole point of this is that this post was being spread around with nothing to back up the claim. Nothing to back up, for one, the claim that Italy has decided to stop treating their elderly, and two, that this is the idea of socialized medicine. Now, it might be easier for me to dig deeper into this particular type of post because I come from a medical background. I have an associate's degree in health information technology and sciences. I worked for hospitals and I have gone through a bunch of different classes that were necessary for me to get this degree and the certification that I have. So, first of all, the claim that Italy has decided to stop treating their elderly is a combination of true and false. So, according to the articles that I have read, again, all links in the description in the show notes, the Italian government has urged medical professionals to stop treating the elderly. That is the headline, essentially, that's being spread around. But if you look deeper into it and you're familiar with the processes in the medical field when disaster strikes, you'll know that it's, that's a, a, a clickbait headline because it's not just Italy has stopped treating their elderly. What it is is something called catastrophe medicine or disaster medicine. And it's not just Italy that has to do it. It is something that is normally written into every single emergency procedure, um, emergency policies and procedures for uh, healthcare facilities, hospitals, long-term care facilities, hospice, urgent cares, um, 
even family practice offices, they all have to have these emergency response protocols, okay? And catastrophe medicine is essentially, it has nothing to do with socialized healthcare, but it has everything to do with the allocation of resources. Essentially, catastrophe medicine means that there are way too many patients for the limited amount of doctors and resources that are available to them. So they have to resort to something called catastrophe medicine. In these situations, patients are no longer treated on a first-come, first-served basis. They are treated based on the likelihood of survival. Now, this is something that happens during pandemics. It's something that happens during natural disasters. It's also something that happens during wartime. So, when you go through and you look at it a little more, I mean, the average person, if they would have looked up the article, the article literally says catastrophe medicine in it. It explains what catastrophe medicine is. So even if you didn't know what it was and you go and you look for the source of that claim, you will find that the claim is false. The premise of the claim is false because what they're doing is they're trying to push their agenda onto the American public and say, this is why we don't want socialized health care, because they're going to stop treating our elderly. They're going to stop treating the sick people. They're only going to treat the young people. These are all arguments that I have seen made against socialized health care in the United States. I'm not going to get into the argument of socialized health care, because that's not the point of this episode. But quickly, you can see that if you were to just type into Google, Italy stopped treating the elderly, you will come to these articles that talk about catastrophe medicine. And you can see that the premise behind that post is completely false and misleading. Now, whether it's being spread on purpose, I have to believe that it's being spread on purpose just because I don't have a lot of faith in the American public anymore, um, or out of negligence. But when I see things like this on my own Facebook feed. I do take the time, most times, sometimes it's too draining, I do take the time to respond and say, actually, you're wrong and here's why. And I have quotations and articles and different things to back up my claim and why it's wrong. I don't do this because I am trying to change that person's mind because chances are, if they're posting it without fact-checking what they're posting, the likelihood of me changing their mind is slim to none. But what does happen is I comment on the post, and then anybody else that comes to read the post can read what I have written and the sources that I have provided, and maybe, maybe it can help stop the spread of misinformation. Now, another issue I have has to do with MLMs and people that are trying to profit off of misinformation and misleading information. And again, with this particular pandemic, I'm seeing a lot of it, and most of it is coming from MLMs that sell their products that have not been evaluated by the FDA here in the United States. Now, I know some people are like, but we don't want government in our medicine. That's fine, but there's a, there's a reason for that. And there is also, I came across a video on YouTube, um, I'll, leave, I'll leave the link in the description and in the show notes, of someone who is claiming that juicing, I think it was a whole onion, a whole lemon, and a big thing of ginger, juicing it all and then drinking it 
would cure you of the virus if you had it and that once you take like one or two sips you're going to start to gag and cough up phlegm and gross stuff and they claimed that this was because the um like nanoparticles or something within the juice that you made is going into your lungs and attaching to the virus and all that nasty stuff that you need to get out of your body. That is scientifically not true. Scientifically not true. I mean, I could Google it and figure it out. This is the same person who said in this same video that they do not believe in conventional medicine and vaccinations. They believe that any ailment, any sickness, disease, syndrome, whatever it is, can be treated and cured naturally. I am just someone that believes in using the herbs of the earth, the dark green leafy vegetables, the plants of this earth to heal all manner of diseases. Let me make it clear, all diseases can be healed through using the natural elements of this earth without man-made intervention. But natural isn't always better. I, I have experience with this. Natural isn't always better. And for the people that are out there trying to profit off of this misleading information, shame on you. Shame on you. Because what you're doing is you're feeding into the fear of big pharma and the government's trying to control you. And that's really damaging. Now, I'm not saying that I am completely pro-government because I have a lot of issues with the government in the United States. But what I do take issue with is people feeding the fear. And when you talk about things being natural, natural isn't always better. Cyanide is natural, but it can kill you. There, I remember working in um, a health food store. This health food store sold um, all natural and organic products. They also had an entire section of vitamins and supplements. And I think it was, I think it's apricot seeds that people are, were eating. And they, you know, they touted apricot seeds as being so great for you. Let, let me make sure that it's apricot seeds really quick before I continue with this. Okay, so it is the apricot seeds, apricot kernels. And I found something here. This is a Wikipedia article, uh, but it does lead to other more scientific and fact-based articles. Don't use Wikipedia as a primary source, people, please. It's a good starting point, but don't stop there. So it says an apricot kernel is the seed of an apricot which is located within the hard endocarp, blah, blah, blah. It is known for containing something called amygdalin, which is a poisonous compound. Together with the related synthetic compound lateral, amygdalin has been marketed as an alternative cancer treatment. I would get people coming into the store all the time trying to treat their cancer naturally, which if you can find something that treats cancer naturally, by all means, do it, okay? But they were coming in looking for these apricot kernels. We would sell out of them all the time. They'd come in bags. On the bag is a warning that says not to eat more than like four or five because they're poisonous, because apricot kernels contain cyanide. Eating too many apricot kernels will lead to cyanide poisoning. Natural isn't always better. Hey, editing Megan here. Um, I just wanted to clarify something that I said 
Um, I had said that the apricot kernels contain cyanide, but that's not accurate. That's not entirely true. So um, the apricot kernels contain amygdalin, which is in turn metabolized in the body and turned into cyanide. So apricot kernels themselves don't contain cyanide. They contain something that turns into cyanide. I wanted to clarify that, especially considering this episode is about uh, misleading and false information. So that has been clarified. So I said earlier that the spread of misinformation is either on purpose or due to negligence. I personally do not like to share information unless I can back up the claim within the information if I'm passing it off as fact. Now, like for those apricot kernels, I can back that up. I have sources and scientific information to back up the claim that you shouldn't eat a million apricot kernels because you can kill yourself accidentally, okay? But the spread of misinformation in any community, whether on purpose or out of negligence, can be the downfall of that community. And this goes back to propaganda. And it's it's more apparent when you look at it in terms of propaganda. And think back to what Germany did during the Holocaust and all of the propaganda that Hitler created to place the in, place the burden of the entire country on the backs of the Jews who then ended up meeting a horrible fate, okay? The spread of misinformation can be the downfall of a community. And in this case, when we're talking about a global pandemic, it can be the downfall of a city, it can be the downfall of a state or a country or even even the world. And this is something, this is why I believe so heavily in citing your sources and validating the information that you're passing off as fact. And going back to um, the the claims of treating coronavirus or um, any pandemic or illness or disease with herbs and supplements, you know, if it works, that's that's amazing. If it works. Now, Here in the United States, we have something called the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration. They are the ones that are responsible for clinical testing of medications and vaccines before they can be, uh, before they can make claims that a particular substance like ibuprofen um, can do specific things. They're the ones that decide that because they go through a scientific process and it has to be proven that it's effective in what it does. Now, we have the FDA for a reason, because they're responsible for the clinical testing and the scientific side of things. Your average person is not going not gonna to know the, the clinical testing process and how, how many trials a certain substance has to go through and what the success rate has to be in order for it to be um, deemed appropriate or deemed successful. There's there's certain percentages and different criteria that it has to meet. We're not going to know that as the average person because it's not our job. We rely on the FDA to keep us safe, but when you have these people out here spreading this misinformation and going through and saying, you know, conventional medicine is 
crap. And here, take these apricot kernels to cure your cancer. There's a reason that we have the FDA and anything that is being touted as a, anything that is a supplement, like a dietary supplement or something like that, has to have a disclaimer on it. And the disclaimer reads, these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. We have that in place for a reason, so that people know that what they're taking hasn't been clinically tested and they cannot rely on outside sources to prove the results because that's not there. So how does this apply to witchcraft and magic? It applies in the same sense. It applies in the same way that it would apply to anything else. Use your critical thinking skills. Spend some time learning how to research. Um, I've thought about maybe doing a video series or something like that on the different um, methods that you can use to research and how to check your sources and make sure that it's reputable. If that's something that you'd be interested in, let me know in the comments below for those watching on YouTube. Podcast listeners, send me an email, find me on all of my social media. Let me know if that's something you would be interested in. Um, I will probably post it as a poll um, on Twitter and maybe on Instagram too. I haven't decided yet, but let me know if that's something that you would be interested in. Building those critical thinking skills, you have to train the muscles of your brain, essentially. I mean, I know your brain's not a muscle, but you, you have to exercise that and you have to do it often so that you can keep in practice so that you will always have that ability available to you. Now one of the main things that this applies to within witchcraft is the idea that magic can change your physical appearance, magic can cure your disease, um, herbs, stones, crystals, roots, any other tool or ingredient you have at your disposal is 100% uh, safe. Oh, there's the word I'm looking for. Ac not accurate. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for, but these ideas that all of these things are beneficial and better and 100% guaranteed are misleading. And Something that I see on Instagram a lot. I don't see it as much on Twitter and on Facebook, but on Instagram there are people that create fake profiles and there's there's actually an Instagram account that is dedicated to fake spellcasters and finding them and letting the public know. I'll leave the links for that in the description and show notes too because they call out some obvious people and some not so obvious. But if you're looking to have spell work or tarot readings or any of that done, if the person you're going to guarantees with 100% certainty that what they're doing for you is going to work or what they're doing for you as far as tarot readings is going to come to pass, that's a big red flag. No one can guarantee 100% results. And those are people that you need to use your discernment and your critical thinking around. Now, when it comes to people on YouTube or podcasts, if somebody is telling you this is the only way or this does this and nothing else, use your critical thinking and your discernment. Nobody knows 100% everything, okay? Not even me. In my last, in my last episode, I talked about 
uh, curses and cures. And I made mention that I don't know a lot about curses. So if the person that you're interacting with, watching their videos, listening to their podcasts, reading their blog, if they tell you that they know everything, run because they don't. There is so much out there to know that one person could not possibly know every single thing. And there's nothing wrong with that, but for some reason, people think that they have to know everything. I don't have to know everything. I need to know what interests me, and I need to know what I'm talking about if I'm talking about it here on my platform, because that's just good practice. But if someone is claiming that they know everything, run. That's a big red flag, okay? So now I want to look at an example, um, and this is a very obvious example. Example? Example. Um of a misleading spell, of, of misinformation, okay? Now, I found the spell on spellsandmagic.com. If you're familiar with that website, you will know that it is full of fluff, I want to say, okay? Now, what I mean by that is this website has user-submitted information, so every spell, every correspondence, everything that is written there is user submitted. And I found a spell that says it will turn you into a mermaid. You ready for this? For those watching on YouTube, I'll put it up here on your screen. Podcast listeners, I'm about to read it to you. Again, the link for this will be in the description and in the show notes. Casting instructions for mermaid spell. First, you will need to run a bath and gather your seashell. So for this, you're going to need a bathtub, water, and a seashell. It can be any shell as long as it's real and found on the beach and you not bought in a shell shop. Step in the bath and be soak. Rub the shell all over your body for about 10 minutes. Then close your eyes and say this spell. I call the goddesses of the sea. Give the power of a tail to me. Swimming magic in the water, tails of scales to be, make me a mermaid, so mote it be. And it says you have to say it ten times. Okay? And then it has this whole list of side effects from casting the spell. And I'm like, did you just pull these off of, like, a, a medication? So listen to these side effects. Nausea, vomiting, trouble breathing, stomach pain, headaches, dry lips, patchy skin, hair growth, shiny legs, your legs want to touch, thirst, wanting to be in water more often. If you are a girl, you may miss a period. This is normal, it's just your tail developing. If you are super young, you won't have to worry about that. Smiley face. Give this spell time and devotion and it may work for you. Be careful and stay away from red mermaids, serpents, and nymphs. These will appear in your dreams often now, and they have very bad intentions. Red mermaids are actually demons who want your soul and power. Serpents want to eat you. Nymphs will try to seduce you. They can also be in male form. Let me know any new side effects you experience during your transformation period, and feel free to ask me any questions. Are you serious? <laughs> so... Within the rest of the post of this spell, it says, you know, the person that wrote it said that they haven't tried it because they're not ready to be a mermaid yet, and that they have friends that have tried it, and they got their tail, but then they were scared, and they did a reversal, and, you know, you shouldn't do this spell unless you're absolutely ready to be a mermaid. 
people, please. You cannot change into a mermaid. You can't, okay? If you could, I'm sure more people would know about it, and we would have plenty of mermaids swimming around in the ocean, cleaning up our reefs and whatnot, but that's not happening because it's fantasy, okay? So that's a really obvious example of misleading information. This is outright false, but they are writing it and claiming that it's true and that it's going to happen. If you've done this spell and you turned into a mermaid, I'd love to know. I want to talk to you. Um... <laughs> uh, I have another example, though, that is less obvious, and it touches more of a gray area. And this is the idea of using herbs and supplements to treat ailments. Now, within the pagan community, most of us appreciate natural medicine. Most of us appreciate the world around us. But as far as I know, most of us also uh, tend to agree with science and conventional medicine when it comes to treating sickness. It might not be the first thing that we jump to, but we're not going to discount it. Now, I have another example here of using an herb, in this case, oregano, to treat ailments. And again, coming from all of the training that I got when I worked in the vitamins section and the supplement section of that particular health food store, oregano oil is touted as basically being a cure-all for... Um, colds and flus and sinus infections and things like that. And I'll be the first to tell you, I have taken oregano oil and it has helped me. That's not the point though. The point being that in these, in these stores, in these situations, when someone comes and says like, I have a cold, what do you recommend? We legally couldn't tell them this will do this and this will do this and this will do this. Okay, but we could legally tell them this has been used for blah, blah, blah. Um, sometimes people use this for blah, blah, blah. You know, giving information based on examples and personal stories, which that's not how medicine works and that's not how health works. What, what works for one person is not going to work for another. But I use oregano as an example here because it's also something that it's commonly found in a lot of kitchens and... A lot of witches just have it on hand generally. So oregano has been used as an herbal supplement to alleviate colds and sinus, uh, sinus issues. People say, yes, take oregano oil. If you have a cold, it'll, it'll make your cold go away. But now it's not necessarily, see, this is where it gets complicated. It's not necessarily misleading information and it's not necessarily misinformation because there is some evidence that suggests that, yes, oregano oil can help with those types of symptoms. But this particular example goes back to why you should get your information from a reputable source and not the people that work in vitamin stores and um, not those, you know, people on the internet who think that they know everything, okay? And now this information, again, link in the description and in the show notes for where I'm getting my information. What they don't tell you about taking oregano oil is that it can have interactions with other medications and other herbs and just yourself in general. Maybe you're allergic to it. Who knows? But 
This is why you should get your information from a reputable source. Herbs and supplements and anything that is not clinically tested by the FDA can have side effects and it can have what's called a contraindication, meaning that it will interact with other medications or other herbs. The most common and most widely known contraindication between an herb and a type of medication is St. John's wort and hormonal birth control. If you take St. John's wort and you're also on hormonal birth control, sorry, your birth control is going to quit working because they contraindicate each other. This is why you get information from a reputable source. Because obviously you're taking these supplements and the medications for a reason, right? And you want you want it to work. But not getting your information from a reputable source can lead to bad things. Now, in the case of contraindications uh, with oregano, the one main one that WebMD lists is lithium. Now, lithium, it affects the flow of sodium through nerve and muscle cells in the body. Sodium affects excitation and mania, okay? Lithium is used to treat the manic episodes of bipolar disorder, also known as manic depression. Manic symptoms include hyperactivity, rushed speech, poor judgment, reduced need for sleep, aggression, and anger. Lithium also helps to prevent or lessen the intensity of manic episodes. Now, if you take lithium and you take oregano oil and nobody tells you that there's a contraindication, according to WebMD, oregano taken with lithium can act as a diuretic, which um, essentially means that you will lose more water in your urine, okay? And that can be dangerous. It can make you really, really dehydrated. In this case, it um, affects how much lithium circulates in the bloodstream and creates possibly dangerous side effects. So like I said, the danger with this isn't necessarily that the claim is false or misleading. Um, the danger is that it hasn't been clinically tested. And while it may work for some cases, there are certain cases where it might not work or where it could be dangerous and have um, negative effects. So that particular example, I know it doesn't really have to do with witchcraft, um, but that particular example is, is a, it's a prime example of why you should get your information from a reputable source. Go to a primary source if you can. If you can't go to a primary source, go to a secondary source. And so leading this all back into witchcraft, when you're doing your research on witchcraft or any occult subject, find a primary source if you can. If you can't find a primary source, find a secondary source. If you have browsed through my website at all, you will see that anytime I'm making a factual claim, I have articles or studies or something to back that claim up. Anytime I'm making a claim that I don't, I will say, this is my belief, or this is just speculation, like I did in my last episode about Budapest, or about Z Budapest and what I was speculating on her ideas in Curses and Hexes. Um, every year around the solstices and the equinoxes, there's information that gets spread around on social media that's completely false. Like, I think one last year, 
said that during a solstice, um, the sun rose and set in the opposite direction, which, I mean, no, <laughs> that would mean that the Earth's rotation has completely changed and did a 180. That's not true at all. And, but there are people out there who don't know any better and who see these people who have hundreds of thousands of millions of followers and they're the ones spreading this information. They think that because this person is either popular or well-known that what they're spreading is true. Hitler was popular and well-known among some of his people, but what he spread was 100% false. I mean, and, and look at the a medical example of this about getting information from a reputable source and going to primary sources. The whole idea that vaccines cause autism is based on a, a debunked scientific study. The study has been debunked, but because that study is still available, there are still people out there who believe it, even though we have proven in the scientific community, not we, but they have proven in the scientific community that this man's study was completely fabricated. But your average person, it, they either don't know or they're too lazy to go find out the information for themselves. They think that everything is available on the internet, so you should be able to just be fed the information. And I see that a lot in the witchcraft and the pagan community with new people coming in. And you, you need to exercise your own critical thinking skills because only you can formulate your beliefs and what you think is right and what you believe is right. But when it comes to things like solstices and the history of something or the scientific nature of something, those are things that can be proven. The solstices and the equinoxes are astronomical events. Um, you know, the, the solstices day and night are longer depending on if it's summer or winter solstice. The equinoxes day and night are almost equal in length. Those can be proven. History can mostly be proven. We can go back to the primary sources and see that the, you know, the history of witchcraft and the history of Wicca dates back to the 50s and Gerald Gardner and anything further than that is simply speculation and people trying their best to figure out if Wicca is older because primary sources are hard to find in that case because of the nature of history and the occult world at the time. But I guess this is just a really long-winded revisitation of using your critical thinking skills and learning how to research things properly. So again, just to reiterate, think before you spread information, cite your damn sources, and don't cause more damage to a community out of negligence. This was a heavy episode. <laughs> These kinds of topics get me riled up because I, it's just the kind of person that I am, I suppose. So again, if you want me to do an episode or a video um, on how I go about doing academic research, the, um, the sources that I use, how to figure out if it's a reputable source or not, let me know in the comments below. Podcast listeners, reach out to me on social media. I will gladly do a video on that subject because I think it's something that the entire human population can benefit from, especially in times like we're facing right now. 
So set your sources, get your information from reputable sources, and don't spread misinformation. I will talk to you later. Bye for now. Thank you.